Welcome everyone to Tamriel Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamriel. I am your host, Eric A.K. Sulior, and I know that I said that we would be talking about the Dark Brotherhood, but you can't really talk about the Dark Brotherhood without first talking about the Morag Tong. So that is what we're going to be discussing today, the Morag Tong. But before we get to that, we do have a bit of news. Well, quite a bit, actually. It's it's unfortunately been a bit since I've recorded. Uh, life got in the way in a few different ways. Uh, one of which is the fact that I just finished a final project for the class that I'm taking, the college class I'm taking. So that is uh, just one thing. But uh, here now, and I hope that you are warm wherever you're at. Um, where I'm at in the world is, uh, there's kind of a, a really, really cold winter storm that's going on right now. So I hope you're safe, hope you're warm, and let's get into the news. So, um, here's a, a bit of news. Like I got a few, um, Game Rant articles, and this one is actually talking about the Dark Brotherhood, and it's one of those, uh, did you know type of articles so they're saying here that there is something that the average player that uh, did not know about the Dark Brotherhood questline in Skyrim so let's see what it says here so it says that the Night Mother herself is an unpleasant experience so okay um, what this saying is is that if you like apparently when you know if the part of the story where you go into the night mother's coffin it always does that excuse me in first person but if you were in third person you're not actually in the coffin with her you're actually just outside of it so if cicero would have turned and looked at you he would have seen you so I'm not really sure. Um, yeah, I thought it said that it called that creepy, but it didn't. So yeah, that <laughs> I guess uh, that's the reason why it isn't first person is because they just couldn't maybe figure out how to actually do that. So yeah, there's a, a little bit of a, did you know? Here's another game rant article about the eight worst things, uh, the eight worst things that Tha- the Thalmor have ever done. Easy for me to say. So, yeah, let's uh, let's go through this here. So, number eight is taking credit for solving the Oblivion Crisis, which I don't know how they could claim that they were the ones who stopped the Oblivion Crisis. Um, I guess they said that they figured out a way to drive Mayrun's Dagon back into the Deadlands. Um, yeah, anybody who's played Oblivion knows that that's bullshit. Um, your player character, the hero of, or the champion of Cyrodiil, along with Martin Septim, were the ones who drove Mayrun's Dagon back into Oblivion. Um, not to mention the <laughs> the Argonians were the ones that were so awesome that they invaded 
Oblivion and drove them out of Black Marsh, so I don't know what the Thalmor are thinking there. Um, the next one, number seven, is Night of the Green Fire. So there's one instance where the Thalmor had risen to prominence in the Isles. Uh, many Altmer disagreed with their vision of the Elven supremacies and sought to flee. Those that escaped congregated in the refugee district of Sentinel, which is in Hammerfell. Unsatisfied with forced migration, the Thalmor decided to hunt down the people who fled, uh, the dissenting Altmer. So there's a knight in the 42nd year of the Fourth Era, the Thalmor launched an assault on the refugee district of Sentinel, and that resulted in the annihilation of the district and the refugees while giving uh, the infamous event its namesake. So that's, uh, yeah, that's pretty bad. So number six is one that we can all agree on. They were the ones who engineered the Great War. They're the ones who decided to target the Empire, uh, specifically banning the, or calling for the banning of Talus worship and disbanding the blades. Um, yeah, I've talked about that since, uh, till I'm, you know, till I was blue in the face. So, um, this kind of goes along with this number five, and that's destroying the blades. Um, I talked about that in the blades episode, uh, to go take a listen to that. Number four was infiltrating the College of Winterhold. I think we anybody who's played the College of Winterhold storyline in Skyrim can, or they know all about Ancano and uh, how much of an asshole he is, and how great it was to see him get killed at the end of that. Spoilers um, for a for an eleven-year-old game. Number three is playing God. Uh, maybe this is a bit of. I don't know, an opinion, um, which I guess this whole thing is an opinion, but I don't know if they've ever called themselves God. Um, They, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that one. Number two is the Void Knights. Um, I don't know if I've actually talked about this or not, but there for two years, the moons, the two moons that you see in the night sky disappeared. And they claimed to bring about, or to have brought those back into existence. So they claimed responsibility for the moon's return. Um, Yeah, I don't know if I've ever talked about that before, but that is something that's kind of interesting. This happened, um, let's see if I can, it says here, it just, it doesn't give an exact date for that, but yeah, there were, there were two full years where the moons had had vanished, and um, eventually they came back, and the Thalmor claimed responsibility for their return, so um, I guess this was to bring about the Khajiit's favor, because I guess they're part of the Elmeri Dominion. And number one is the Thalmor's, uh, it's called Endgame, they're calling it Endgame, so... It says here, the Thalmor's fervent belief in their superiority stems from the idea that High Elves are direct descendants of the Aedra. I have talked about that in a previous episode. 
uh, Michael Kirkbride, who is who was a longtime lore master for Bethesda. He indicates that the High Elves seek to return to their godly form, and to achieve this, they would have would have to unmake the world. So that's probably part of. Maybe that's why they started the Great Wars. They wanted a, a war to end all wars that results in the destruction of Tamriel, or of uh, Nern, or Mundus, whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> so, excuse me. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think we can all agree that the Thalmor are pretty bad. <laughs> So here is a an article about the uh, Thieves Guild quests in Oblivion. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how this is possible, but apparently a Skyrim player completes negative number of Thieves Guild quests. So I don't know exactly how that's possible. I guess let's uh, find out with the article here. So this person... Um, yeah, we all know how you start the Thieves' Guild. You talk to Brynjolf and Riften. And apparently there's a Reddit user named Throwaway3443343 says that they complete or saw that they had completed negative 14 Thieves' Guild quests in Skyrim. Is this a... I don't know if this is a bug or what. But, um... So, most of the time, there is some sort of stats menu in the game. Like, I remember Oblivion also talked about, or showed how much, or how many bunnies you've killed, or how much fame or infamy you have. Well, Skyrim has something like that, too. And I guess at uh, one point, the user checked his stats page and it said that apparently he had completed a negative number of quests for the thieves guild so i guess maybe he quit a lot of the jobs given and that results in failed quests and that can give you a negative number i didn't know that was possible so anyway yeah that's uh never knew that was a thing so next up uh, there apparently somebody has found a, a reference to Assassin's Creed in Skyrim so Skyrim of course is known to have a lot of little easter eggs that you can find whether it's Castlevania or Pac-Man Minecraft Portal Lord of the Rings well, somebody has apparently found a reference to Assassin's Creed in the game. So what this is, is he shows a clip. This user is named Abisaris. Abisaris. Uh, I'll be sorry if I got that wrong. Apologies. So apparently there's one point where he jumps into a pool of water from a considerable height. And... He is greeted by a spirit named Azadal, who talks about it being a long time since anybody took the plunge and survived. So maybe this is a reference to a leap of faith in Assassin's Creed. 
Um, that's interesting. So, shortly after, the spirit pulls out a musical instrument and starts playing a tune before vanishing. Oh, yeah. The, apparently it is a leap of faith. And uh, the ghost is somebody who didn't make it. So, um, looks like a lot, many players jumped as soon as they came across this location in Skyrim. And, yeah. <laughs> I, I never understand I never understood how those leaps of faith work like I know it's it's a video game but those never really like there, there's no way that could I guess you just have to suspend your disbelief a little bit but um, yeah Bard's uh, Bard's Leap Summit is a wooden plank at the top of Lost Valley Redoubt those of you who don't know and, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of cool. I'm always a fan of Easter eggs and things like that. So, um, next up, there, is, there was an interview recently. Uh, Todd Howard was on the Lex Fridman uh, podcast. And I am really sorry my dog has been on edge. Anyway, um, Todd Howard was on the Lex Fridman podcast podcast and of course there's always that question hey when is elder scrolls 6 happening so basically he just says he has a vague idea and he wishes it was soon because he wants to play it also um he wishes that it didn't take as long as well as long to develop as it does but he said look if i could go back in time it would never have been my plan to wait as long as it's taken for elder scrolls 6 um, anyway, most of that interview was about Starfield, of course, but, you know, it, it's, it's some good info. Definitely go check it out. So, uh, again, that's the Lex Fridman podcast. So, that's a question, of course, we all want to know, but there's no sense, uh, harassing people about it. Next up is a little bit of ESO news. So they recently came out and said that the year, the year and uh, the year plan, year-long plan is going to change for 2023. So usually it starts out there is a release of a dungeon DLC that. Um, it, it gets released before the main chapter and then there is another dungeon DLC and then the last story DLC which of course for this year was Fire Song well next year and apparently afterward like from now on the first half of the year will remain basically the same so quarter one will be a dungeon DLC and then a major new zone in quarter two. However, quarter three and quarter four will be more focused on improving existing systems and adding new ones rather than smaller story zones. I, you know what? I like those smaller story zones, but okay, whatever. So the storyline in quarter two will be the first part of a multi-year story arc. But it should still contain about the same amount of content that we are used to. From so it sounds like they're just stretching things out more. Um, for 2023 specifically, specifically, not too much has been revealed yet. 
but we can expect quarter three to be focused more on quality of life improvements and bug fixes, fixes with quarter four featuring a new system instead of a new story zone. Um, I guess we'll see what this means going forward once they actually start releasing some, you know, some of this stuff, once they start announcing what 2023 specifically is going to be about. So, uh, let's see. Next up, there, you know, there's some Harry Potter Hogwarts Legacy news. So, apparently it's been delayed. Um, let's see if they... I guess uh, the date is now going to be April 4th for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. And the Switch is now going to come out. The Switch version is now going to come out on July 25th. So, I don't know. I'm looking forward to this game. I know there's a lot of controversy surrounding it with everything going on with J.K. Rowling and how people view her these days. But I like myself some Harry Potter. And you know what? She has nothing to do with this game. Yes, it involves a world that she created, but... She is not involved in the development of Hogwarts Legacy, and it doesn't seem right to punish the people who are working hard on this game. That's just my opinion. Take it for what you will. Um, but originally, this game was supposed to come out on February 10th. Or, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, February, early February. Uh, but now that's it's going to be pushed back to April for people who are not playing on the Switch. Anyway, uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, there's some tales of. Um, oh, okay. So apparently, cloud gaming for Elder Scrolls Online is now back. Um, I know that it was on the Stadia. The Stadia is no more. Uh, rest in peace, Stadia. I never knew ye. I never wanted to take part in ye, but um, anyway. There is now Xbox Cloud Gaming for ESO, so it's part of Game Pass. So if you would like to play it through a cloud, through the cloud, uh, you can do so again. Um, next up is an article about the Taverns and Tales Holiday Art Contest. So ESO or the people with Bethesda and Zenimax um, wanted people to share their fan art of the taverns um, and things like that in ESO. So I will link the article in the show notes. I think you guys should check out some of this art. It's really cool. So, yeah, I, I, <laughs> this is so cool. I, I could never do anything like that. So next up is an article about the New Life event. So this is something that is uh, seasonal with ESO. And it's taking place right now. So from now until very early January, you can take part in a New Life Festival. So of course there's going to be rewards and things like that involved or with this. So definitely check it out. Um, I enjoy the New Life Festival. I haven't done it this year. I need to get back into the game. But, yeah, it, it's it's fun. Um, there's some different things that you can do. 
in the game to uh, celebrate the New Life Festival. So, all right, finally, my last piece of news is there is a studio director who wrote a letter about ESO in 2022 as a retrospective of the game for the past year. So if you would like to go check that out, definitely do so. Anyway, uh, that is it. Oh, okay, this the article also talks about what the next year is going to bring. Um, not in so many details, but it basically shows the uh, roadmap for what they would like to do going forward with this game. Anyway, that is it for the news. Uh, let's talk about my gameplay. I, I honestly don't really have a lot of gameplay as far as ESO. I've kind of been taking a break from it, to be honest, which is a shame. Because um, I, I did play a little bit of the Fire Song DLC, but I had some other stuff going on. Um, like I said, school kind of got in the way, and then life in general. I haven't played a ton of stuff on my Xbox aside from Fallout 76 and that's really just to get the dailies done and maybe some weeklies and then get out of the game. Um, yeah, just, uh, I kinda haven't been taking, I, I haven't really been playing much as far as ESO. Again, I hope to get back into it soon. Oh, um, there was another bit of news that I wanted to talk about. So, Marvel um, Midnight Suns is out now. And I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I don't feel like the game, like Marvel Midnight Suns, I don't feel like the um, news that came out about this and the trailers really <laughs> didn't represent the game well. Um for those of you who don't know, the trailers made the game look kind of like Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Um, but it is not. It's more like Marvel Snap. Um, <laughs> it's a card game. And the trailers for the game did not show that at all. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I haven't played the game some people were happy about it. A lot of people were really upset. Like, well, I'm not going to play this game now. Thanks. I'm glad that I saw this before I bought the game. So, I don't know. I, I was kind of excited about it because I really did enjoy Marvel Ultimate Alliance. But, yeah, the trailer did not show that it was a card game. Anyway, um... Yeah, uh, honestly, like I said, I haven't really been playing on my Xbox very much lately. Um, I, other than Fallout, which I will talk about with the next episode of Tapes from the Waste, where we are going to be talking about the um, Nuke World on Tour update. So hopefully that'll be out sometime in the next week or two. So be on the lookout for that. Um, yeah, like I said, other than that, I really haven't been playing much on my Xbox. So, yeah, I mean, I'll talk about my emulator machine gameplay on Nintendo. So if you're interested in that, go check that out. And, yeah, I guess let's just get into our topic today, and that is the Morag Tong. Morag Tong. 
guys, so let's talk about the Morag Tong. So, for those of you who don't know, the Morag Tong was a, or they they are a faction of assassins who operate out in the open. Like they're sanctioned by the the government, the empire, and. Yeah, they can just go around killing people however they want to as long as they have a writ of assassination. So another name for the Morag Tong is also the Foresters Guild. Um, I guess the uh, Dunmer Tongue, uh, Morag Tong in the Dunmer Tongue is Foresters Guild. And yeah, they are stationed in Morrowind and they celebrate murder in the name of Mafala. So they have been active at least since the first era. There's also some word that they might have been active in the Marithic era. But um, their targets have included multiple rulers of Tamriel, including high ranking Dunmer nobility and countless others. So yeah, they're sanctioned by the Marwan government to perform legal executions. Um, although extra legal gray writs are also numered, rumored to exist. So um, they have, the origins of the Morag Tong have been shrouded in myth. Um, orthodoxy of the tribunal hold that the Daedra Mafala founded the guild to teach early Keimer how to defend themselves and destroy their adversaries. Others state that it began as a cult, which, also following Mafala, ultimately revered the Dreadfather Sithis above all. However it began, the guild quickly rose to prominence in the environment of early Marlin's bloody house conflicts. So yeah, the houses in Moragtong, the, um, the Hualu and Reran and all them, uh, they sometimes feud with each other. So they quickly established the writ system as a reputation uh, so pure, for peerless killers. Uh, at the end of the first era, the Tong received its highest profile contract to date on Emperor Raymond, Raymond III. Um, we've talked about this. I believe it was actually the Dark Brotherhood who killed them, but maybe it was actually the Morag Tong. So, the success of this paved the way for the Akaviri Potentate, which I've also talked about. Um, yeah, I guess the words Morag Tong were written in the Akaviri Potentate's blood that they assassinated over Sidious Shay, or Shai, however you pronounce that. So, yeah, I've talked about how the Dark Brotherhood is, it, it's pretty, well, I don't know if it's actually been explicitly stated, but the Dark Brotherhood were actually, in all the actuality, a splinter group that broke off of the Morag Tong, which is why we're talking about them first, the Morag Tong. So the Dark Brotherhood rose to greater prominence elsewhere. Um, I guess that's why you don't really see, you do see the Dark Brotherhood in Morrowind, but they're not a joinable faction in Morrowind. However, the Morag Tong is. 
so the Dark Brotherhood spread throughout the rest of Tamriel while the Morag Tong remained in Morrowind. So accounts suggest that they, the Dark Brotherhood gave up on worshipping Mephala and decided to worship Sithis. Um, yeah, they, they also worshipped Vivek, but they really decided to focus the uh, target of their worship to be Sithis. So despite the common service to Sithis, they actually the Dark Brotherhood grew to become mortal enemies of the Morag Tong. Uh, the Dark Brotherhood, of course, also revered the Night Mother, um, but the Tong decided to maintain its traditional uh, service to Sithis, but um, they also, of course, revered Mephala. So... Yeah, the conflicts grew between the great houses, and there were a lot of contracts that needed to be filled. There was talk that they, there's the Morag's Tong's services were undervalued because the rich nobles with petty grievances used the Morag Tong too freely, not respecting the ancient institution. However, they did not act outside of Morrowind, nor did they interfere in politics higher than that of interhouse rivalry. They also did not, uh, sorry, they also did apparently act on their own account, except against the Dark Brotherhood or worshippers of Mayron's Dagon. Sometimes they were hired to track down and kill outlaws as an alternative to the more traditional Fighters Guild bounty. So, the Dunmer Ride Verano was one of the last Morag Tong members who were around before the potate, potentate assassinations, and sent their guild into that sent their guild into decline. He worked for centuries, restoring the reputation of the Morag Tong with the Great Houses, getting them to once again accept the Tong as a legitimate organization. And by the time by the events of Elder Scrolls Online. The Tong had started to gain great footing, and Verano became the Grand Master. However, he was not satisfied with these accomplishments, and would be one of the people who would plot to coup, plot a coup of the current Tong. The group created a list of goals, which, if achieved, would transform the Tong into a more into more than a league of assassins, and it would actually make them powerful enough to replace the heads of state that were once able to force them to go into hiding. This became known as the Simulacrum Rubric, named after one of the items they had sought to obtain, which, uh, of course, is Sothasil's Simulacrum Rubric. It was orchestrated by Verano and several other influential members of the Tong who called themselves the Seven Secretives. The Morag Tong assassin Naryu Varian, who I have a Funko Pop of actually, uh, sought an audience with the tribunal god Vivek to be granted a tribunal sanction for extrajudicial execution for her superior, Rythe Verano. She had discovered that he had been involved in the secretive's plot and had ordered writs of execution for the remaining members of the group to be thrown her to throw her off his trail. 
Vivek granted her request and provided with her an ally, a warden by the name of Boldek, who wanted to bring Ferrano to justice for his uh, involvement in the death of his partner. They tracked him to Sedrith Mora, where they spotted a Telvanni mage and teleporting him to the Clockwork City through a portal which vanished along with Ferrano. They convinced the mage to give them passage to the Clockwork City, and once there, they tracked Ferrano into a merchant's workshop where he obtained one of the items he needed, which was Sothasil's Simulacrum rubric. He spotted them, panicked, and summoned a portal back to Vardenfell. Naru and Boldek followed him through it and emerged into the Mudan ruins. Argonian guards were there waiting for him, where, but he fled when an army of Dwemer Enimuncoli, that is a really difficult word to say, as is most Dwemer words, um, this thing appeared out of the ruin. A dwarven colossus, I can say that, appeared out of the ruin, blasting it apart and immolating, uh, immolating, why is that word so hard to say? Immolating Verano. Basically, he got roasted alive. Along with the satchel that held the similar crumb rubric, the combined efforts of Naryu and Boldic destroyed the Colossus. Naryu severed the Grandmaster's head and took his skull as a trophy to take with her as she sought to carry out the writs of execution on the remaining traitors. So, all of this... This journey led all across Tamriel, where she would successfully carry out her executions. So, um, yeah, this is just, there's a lot going on here um, with the Moractong. Um, you basically go through and complete the Ritz. So, um, yeah, she needed to get a bunch of items. Uh, there's a smuggler who is able to... Um, yeah, there's the Clockwork Apostles um, who chased the smuggler back to Nern. It was, there's just a lot going on. I would definitely recommend playing through this if you're able to. So, and everything you're doing in ESO is to bring the Morag Tong's honor back with the deaths of the Seven Secretives. So there is some stuff that happens, as I mentioned, the uh, Morag Tong is joinable in Morrowind, so you can actually become a member of the Morag Tong, and it is fun, um, it's nothing, I, I've never actually completed the uh, Dark Brother, or not the Dark Brother, but the Morag Tong story in Morrowind, but it is kind of fun, uh, basically you just get a writ of execution and find where the person is and you get the guards coming after you and of course because you're murdering somebody in broad daylight but all you have to do is present them the writ of execution and they're like well this seems to be in order <laughs> carry on it, it's uh, <laughs> I don't know any other way that you can just kill somebody in front of a bunch of witnesses and get away with it so yeah um i mean like i said the the dark brotherhood is in marwind if you have i believe it's the tribunal dlc um <laughs> which 
is uh, interesting. Basically, you go sleep somewhere, and then you wake up and you're die fetcher, and you have to go find the assassin and kill him before he kills you. Um, that is a great way to get some pretty good armor early on in the game, uh, because you, of course you can equip the Dark Brotherhood members' armor. Um, but we'll talk about that in the next episode. So yeah, um, basically you just go around killing um, a bunch of people who have writs of assassination on them. And you can get away with it. So there's not much known about what's going on with the Morag Tong during the Oblivion Crisis, except that they attempted to assassinate the commander of the Darth Mary army at Sundercliffe Watch, uh, which was commanded by a, a member of House Telvanni who attempted to overthrow the Empire. Um, that's always fun. Um, but yeah, during the rise of Dagothur and in, during the events of Morrowind, the Morag Tong fought a shadow war against the Dark Brotherhood and Vardenfell, as well against, as against the uh, cult of Mirren Stagon. They both successfully killed both the local Night Mother, I didn't know there's more than one Night Mother, um, as well as another leading figure on uh, Vardenfell. They also assassinated several, several prominent figures. Uh, there's a list here if you're interested. Go check out the Elder Scrolls fandom wiki. Um, the first part of this uh, information I was getting from the UASB, but this part I'm getting from the fandom wiki. So... Um, yeah, it even gets up to a uh, member of the Imperial Legion. And uh, yeah, a lot of it is uh, the Great House members, but at least four attempts were made on the life of Ethan Sarethi. So yeah, let's talk about the Fourth Era. So uh, Red Mountain erupts during the Red Year, and the Morag Tong were scattered, vowing to one day reunite. Um, yeah, Vardenfell basically becomes inhabitable with the eruption of Red Mountain. So this occurred sometime before or during the year 4th Era 201, when the Morag Tong were hired by House Lalu in an attempt to assassinate Lorelli Moravan of House Redoran due to the death of Villar Yulin. The Great House had sent some Red Guard, or, I'm sorry, Redoran Guard, uh, I don't know why I combined that into Red Guard, Redoran Guard into the House headquarters in an attempt to kill the assassins but the guardsmen had failed and they instead were killed themselves the the last dragonborn eventually wiped out their presence in solstein by killing the assassins at ashfellow follow citadel and thus saving counselor moravon even so it did result in writs of writs being signed on the dragonborn so they eventually start trying to kill you um, yeah, that's really all we know about the Morag Tong. As I said, um, it's widely believed that their Dark Brotherhood were a splinter faction that broke off of the Morag Tong. And like I said, it is fun um, being able to join the Morag Tong in Oblivion. And um, I do love Naryu in ESO. Like I said, I've got a Funko Pop of her that I've got proudly on display right here where my computer is. So anyway, that is really it as far as the Morag Tong. Again, apologies for the delay 
on this episode. I'm just life has been getting in the way. But um, hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. And I do have a little bit of an outtake that I'm going to put at the end of this. Um, like I said, my dog has been on edge this entire time and barking at freaking everything. So I'm going to include one of those instances at the end of this. But that will do it for this episode. I'd like to thank The Hive, as always, for sponsoring today's podcast. And if you would like to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at iangold08. And you can find the show at tamrealicp. Um, There is a Hive account for these, but I haven't really been using the Hive social recently. Um, It doesn't seem like The Hive's really going to make it, unfortunately. Uh, but that's just me. Hopefully it does, and um, I think it's good to keep that around just in case. Uh, you can also find me on TikTok, where I every now and then post video clips and um, maybe some other clips on there that aren't video video game clips. Um, yeah, that is about it. Uh, if you could do me a favor and leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, I have noticed that there have been some ratings on spotify thank you for that i appreciate it and you can also find my other shows uh, as i mentioned there's tapes from waste so hopefully we're going to get an episode out on the anuka world on tour content kelsey and i are going to try and coordinate together on that and do a um an episode together for once those are always fun and you can also find my other um solo show super nintendo where i am going to be working on an episode of that here pretty soon also and don't uh i mentioned this before but i am also a cast member on the modus files so there was an episode that dropped recently called encrypted that was really fun it was the mid-season finale for the modus files so definitely go check that out i had a great time recording my lines for that episode it was a lot of fun great episode Go check it out. And yeah, that'll do it. So anyway, that is going to be it for this episode. And next up, we are going to be discussing the Dark Brotherhood proper. So anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Uh, Everybody, hope you have a great holiday no matter what you celebrate. So as I mentioned earlier, stay warm and stay safe, adventurers. Welcome. <laughs>